This week, one of the largest and most well-known U.S. fintech companies, PayPal, announced that its Venmo payments app was launching a new credit card. But unemployment rates are up and the economy is in a recession. So why launch a credit card now? What's next in consumer credit for fintech? In this edition of Fintech Friday, the 2020 consumer credit cycle. What's next? I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on October 9th, and this is Fintech Friday, brought to you by Cardlinks. It's great to be with you. If you are in the fintech or banking industries, one of the mega trends of the last year or so is new tech companies issuing their own credit card. In August of 2019, Apple announced it was launching the Apple Card. Samsung launched its new Curve Samsung Card. And just this week, PayPal's Venmo unit announced it was launching a credit card too. Now, the timing seems a bit counterintuitive for launching a credit product right now. After all, we're in the middle of a pandemic where many consumers have suddenly become much less creditworthy. The unemployment rate has been as high as 10% this year, and it currently stands at 8% in the U.S. So are all of these new credit products being launched in the middle of a recession? Is that really a good idea? Or will it all end in tears? To help us answer that question, we're joined by Paul Siegfried, Senior Vice President with TransUnion. TransUnion is one of the big three credit bureaus in the U.S. and around the world. They can actually see all of the credit accounts in the U.S. and how those credit accounts are performing. We're going to discuss the current state of credit for the U.S. consumer and what to expect next in the credit cycle. We'll also discuss how new credit technologies are being deployed and what's hot and what's not, especially in fintech. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Well, I'm just fine, Silvio. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I've actually been looking forward to our conversation all week, and it's great to have you back on the show. You always have great insights for us. And I'd love to just dive in and ask you right up front, you know, the reality is the pandemic has really upended how consumers use credit, especially credit cards and home mortgages. Rates are really low, but we also have at the same time high unemployment and a recession. How have all of those things impacted how consumers use credit in 2020? That is a great question, number one. And the key theme is change. There's been tremendous amount of change with credit and how consumers are using credit. One trend is what we've been seeing around the mortgage industry. Mortgage industry really took off when you go back to the January, February timeframe, which is when we started to see those rates come down. And that really attracted a lot of consumer activity. With refis on the mortgage side, we've seen consumers doing some cash out refis, but also just straight up refi, which is freeing up their cash flow. We've also seen a certain percent of consumers who've asked for an accommodation. These consumers were maybe uncertain about their financial future. And so lenders made these programs available for all loan types. On the credit card side, what we've really seen is over the last six months, about a 7% 
decrease in total credit card balances. So when we think about what's going on with the consumer, we see a consumer overall that is very strategic with regard to planning and understanding their cash flow, but then also looking at how to strategically organize their financial wallet in a way that is going to open up their options going forward. Really counterintuitive, the fact that consumers are actually basically deleveraging, reducing their overall credit card usage. And so my question is, is that a good thing heading into the holiday season, consumers being very strategic, refinancing to a lower rate when they can, deleveraging when they can, does that mean they're going to spend more or less on their credit cards as we head into the 2021 holiday spending season? When we think about the holiday season, one, the consumer, which we were just speaking to, is in a pretty solid financial position. So they're going to have opportunities with their credit cards. They have more open to buy and and they'll be in a position potentially to use it. Whether or not they choose to use it, I think is really going to depend on their confidence. Do consumers really have the confidence this holiday season to go out and spend? There are, for all intents and purposes, winners and losers throughout each month of the pandemic. And when we think about e-commerce merchants being tremendous winners, whereas brick and mortar merchants were tremendous losers during those lockdown periods because they just simply weren't open. But one of the trends that we somewhat expected is spending around the home. Uh, has definitely been a, a winning theme. And what's the, the the cost on the other side? We'd look at travel. Travel's taken a tremendous hit. So as we look at the holidays, I would expect that trend to continue. There are, are themes and, and trends that consumers are really latching onto uh, based upon this current environment. Really interesting. And so we're going to see some merchants doing well and receiving the benefit and use of, of those extra credit lines that consumers have and some, you know, maybe not so much. I'd like to also look at maybe the winners and losers in in banking and and fintech, because there have been a lot of changes, as you point out, balances are lower, consumers are using their credit in different ways. Refi, for example, as you pointed out, has really increased quite a bit. How are banks and fintech lenders responding to these pretty dramatic changes in the market in 2020? What are some of the things that they're doing differently in 2020 than maybe 2019? One of the biggest impacts to all lenders today is this somewhat lack of visibility with regard to consumer performance. So as I mentioned before, lenders have made accommodations to consumers. There was no means test, so consumers didn't have to to show that they were unemployed. Now, the positive side is over 70% of those accommodations that had been granted had actually been released by the end of August. But there still are accommodations on loans that are out there, which means when there's an accommodation, we're really not seeing the visibility into the performance, meaning if a payment's not required, the account cannot become delinquent. Because of that, there is this uncertainty trying to understand, do I really look at the consumer the same way that I did before? Are there new ways to look at the consumer? Lenders are in the market. Maybe they're not in the market with as much scale as we saw back at the beginning of the year, but they are still in the market in different channels. Uh, Certainly channel change has also been a key impact here over the last six months where digital channels are more in play on a percentage basis than they were going back to the beginning of the year. And what do you think about the forecast in terms of consumer credit? You know, I remember 
the last recession about a decade ago at the time was an executive at First Data. And we started to actually see big banks really actually shut down credit card accounts. Consumers that had accounts and had a credit line, banks were basically shutting down those credit cards because they didn't want the risk that the consumer is going to use it and then default. Do you expect to see some of that in 2021? And do you expect consumers to behave differently in terms of how they use credit next year? What we are seeing so far in 20 is we've seen new account credit lines decrease. And that's one of the ways that lenders are managing on the credit card side, their exposure. I think lenders are very sensitive to take a negative credit action on a consumer with their open to buy and create ill will. I think many lenders are very concerned that as we look back at 2008, 2009, 2010, that there was some level of overreach. You know, as we look at 21, delinquency cannot continue to decrease. If we look at over the last six months, delinquency overall has been decreasing related somewhat to the accommodations that I mentioned, but also related to the fact that consumer liquidity is up, consumer spending has been down. So as we look into 21, we do expect delinquency to increase. At what point will it increase? We're not quite sure. We do look at the end of the second quarter as really being a time where those mortgage accommodations will start coming out of the file. And when those mortgage accommodations that are your larger payments come out, I think that is something everyone is watching. Really interesting. So definitely a sign of caution ahead. We're not certain exactly what will happen, but it's definitely worthwhile to be cautious as it relates to credit and extending it to consumers. I want to shift a little bit to technology. 2020 has really been the year of new technologies gaining scale. You know, we all know how much merchants have shifted their sales to e-commerce, for example. Any new technologies that have made the shift from interesting to mainstream this year in your eyes from a credit perspective? You know, one of the ones I'm specifically interested in hearing your view on is many consumers seem to be using real-time installment payments for low-value purchases. One of our Cardlinks member, Klarna, which is a private company based out of Sweden, multi-billion dollar valuation, and they're famous for enabling a consumer to go to a website. And instead of buying that pair of tennis sneakers on the credit card, instead they can pay in three or four smaller payments over time. Do you think those installment payments, after payments, do you think they're a fad or do you think they're here to stay? I think that that is here to stay. In some respects, it's a very old thing. And when we think about uh, is a comparison to the Sears catalog or the Montgomery Wards catalog, that's a type of financing that's been around for over 100 years and actually put those retailers on the map more than they already were. What's the difference today? It's that incredible tie back to technology, Silvio, that you referenced, which is how can I do this quickly, efficiently, make that decision and be able to spread a $30 loan over three payments or $300 loan over three payments? When you think about those options, it's putting something into the consumer's hands. It's democratizing the consumer choice at the point of sale. Uh, I think it's here to stay. Is it for everyone? I certainly don't believe that. Another interesting twist on technology would be apps. How are apps continuing to change? And we look at this week, the launch of Venmo Credit as an example, tying back into the app. 
even in a time of uncertainty, we're seeing continued innovation and movement in the market. We're also actually seeing now that there's uh, lending with regard to cyber currencies, which again, I don't think 12 months ago, any of us would have said, hey, we see that one coming. But I think there's a lot that's continuing to change. Are they here to stay? I think they are here to stay. I think that, again, anything that's going to promote the consumer value or make it easier for consumers is going to be here for the long term. Great insights, Paul. That's Paul Siegfried, Senior Vice President with TransUnion, talking to us from TransUnion headquarters in Chicago. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Silvio. Have a good day. You too. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on credit. One of the really interesting things that I've learned over the years are the different attitudes towards credit in different countries around the world. So in the U.S., having access to a credit card, well, that's a status symbol. For example, in the 1980s, business people flexed their American Express gold cards. And if you were a really high roller, you had an American Express black card, and that had no credit limit. More recently, many of my colleagues here in Silicon Valley, they actually wanted to hold my brand new white metal Apple credit card when it was first issued in August of last year. Apple, in a way, made credit cards cool again, kind of like a rewind of the 1980s. But in other countries like Germany or Japan, using a credit card has a very different connotation. Having to use a credit card could be viewed as a source of, well, shame. In those countries, a credit card might be viewed as a consumer not having sufficient wealth to fund their purchases, or perhaps it might be viewed as living beyond your means. In Germany, for example, more than 50% of the card transactions are debit transactions tied to cash in the consumer's bank account rather than tied to a credit line. Now, as we've learned today, Technology is rapidly changing the consumer perception about credit, and it's doing that virtually everywhere. Credit is becoming less a financial service and more a digital convenience embedded in almost every buying or commercial transaction. We're seeing technology reinvent what credit actually means. And in many ways, we're just at the beginning of the new credit technology revolution. For FinTech Friday from the Cardlinks Association, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares signing off.